Well, I have the privilege to, to bring to you a message that the Lord has just been stirring in my heart. And uh, uh, Christy and I have been just talking about it these last few days. My mouth is a little dry, so I'm going to get some water as I'm talking here. And, uh, but uh, the title of this message is Resurrection Life, A Better Life Than You Ever Dreamed Of. And I, I just want to say, first of all, Happy Resurrection Day to all of you. Um, if you're part of our Rock family, we miss you. We love you. We can't wait till you're back in the house and we get to celebrate together with everyone. Uh, if you're new, we just want to say welcome, and we're so glad you're able to be here and uh, or online and, and just join us for this time of celebration. And, and uh, I was thinking about it. Gosh, if this would have happened like 30 years ago, which is not that long ago for some of us, um, <laughs> it, I don't know what we would have done. Like, it, we don't have, we wouldn't have had the technology that we have today to do the things we need to do the way we need to do it in order to get the, the gospel out. And so I believe that this, where we are today, is it's an opportune time that we're seeing the expansion, we're seeing the, the, uh, the gospel go forth in new ways, and we're learning new things. And so I just want to say it's actually a blessing that we have the, the technology and the things that we have to do what we're called to do in this time. So... I'm going to pray again. I just feel like we need to pray and engage with the Lord. So, Father, right now, we as, we, as this message goes forth, Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us eyes to see, that you would open our heart, and that we would be able to engage with your Spirit. And it's by your Spirit that you reveal all truth. So, Lord, would you bring your truth in this time? Lord, I pray for that peace, too. Lord, that, that all the chaos and the things that are around us right now, we just say peace to the storm in Jesus' name. We say the peace that passes all understanding, may it come right now. I say wisdom. Would you bring your wisdom into this time? Lord, as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways than our ways. We ask you for your ways in this season and in this time that we would not operate in our ways. Lord, I pray for protection. Lord, every, every person, I thank you that you're our rock, you're our refuge, you're our strong tower. Lord, it's under your wing that you, you protect us in the sh- under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, I thank you that you are the Almighty and our protection is under you and under you alone. Lord, I thank you for provision in this time and in this season. Lord, that, that no one will go without what they need. Lord, I thank you that you are our Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And so, Lord, we, we call on the Jehovah Jireh in this time to say, be our provider, Lord, that we can be a provider for others. And, Lord, I ask you also just that your presence would be in every home. Lord, that, that as you are omnipresent, we also ask that you would actually be present in every home and upon every person, that you would actually rest on every person and, and bring that peace and bring that comfort and that tangible experience of knowing you and experiencing you in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I, I want you, in case you don't know, we're living in unprecedented times right now. <laughs> Many people are fearful. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that are losing their jobs. They've lost their jobs. There's a, there's a lot of sickness going on out there called COVID. Uh, there's, there's other things as well. And I mean, I can tell you how many people are being tested uh, versus how many people actually have COVID means there's a lot of other sickness out there as well. So there's a lot of sickness and there's a lot of fear going on at the same time. People are potentially losing their homes. And, and this is all happening so quickly. But I want to tell you in the midst of this, there is a hope. 
uh, there is great hope. And it was reminded me as I was just preparing, there's a scripture in Jeremiah 29. We've heard it many times, but I'm just going to kind of declare this over us as we start this, uh, today and as we're, we're uh, just giving glory to God in this time of it's his, this is the resurrection that we're celebrating. But I want us to, to, as I declare this, take these words in, soak this in and realize that, that this, was, this is Jeremiah. He's talking and he was speaking to the Israelites in a time of hopelessness, uh, that they were, they were under an oppression, they were in captivity. And, and yet here was the word from Jeremiah. And it says this, and I'm going to take a little liberty in this. You'll see up on the screen, uh, not much. This is what the Lord says. When the time of coronavirus has passed, I will come to you and I will fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then catch this. Then you will call upon me and you will come and you will pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And realize here, this is not a partial, like half of our heart is with the Lord and half of it's with the world. Lord, I pray that our heart would be saturated in you, solely in you, not that double-mindedness, that this is all of our heart looking to you, seeking you in this time. And it says this, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and then I will restore your fortunes. So may that be the declaration. May that be a prayer over us. Uh, I want you to hear these words and hear this clearly. Our God is a good God. He is a loving Father, and He wants His family back. He's always wanted his family back. From the very beginning, he's wanted his family back. And I, I hear this question sometimes of, well, how can this loving God allow such horrible things to happen? And I guess I would ask the question back is, how could we turn our backs and our lives and live apart from such a loving God? And, and when we turn towards God, he turns towards us. It says when you draw near to him, he draws near to you. But he also gives us free will. And so here's the thing. The promises of God are when we do serve him, when we do love him, when we turn from our own ways and when we repent and when we look to Jesus, it says then he is faithful. Then he is just. He forgives us of our sin. He purifies us. He restores us to that place of, of sonship and back into the family. And, and in that, there's an abundant life that, that we get to live. Uh, I want to tell you this powerful story that uh, Jesus told this in front of, he told it in front of the sinners. Uh, his disciples were there. The, the Pharisees were there. And also a lot of the teachers of the law. They're all, they're all in this one place. And Jesus begins to tell this crazy story uh, that many of us have heard. It's, it's called the, uh, the prodigal son uh, but I think it's been mis kind of tagged uh, because it's not really about the son so much as it's about the father's heart. And uh, the, any of us could be in that place of where the son is, but there is only one that could do what the father did in this story. And so I want you to hear this again 
I'm just going to read through this, but I want you to hear this from the father's perspective of this is a father that loves us so much. So here's the story. It says, Jesus, this is Luke 15. If you want to follow along, it'll be up on the screen as well. And, and I, I'm telling it from the NLT. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. A younger son, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and this man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Then he finally came to his senses, and he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here, I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father, and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him, and he kissed him. His son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. But his father, not listening at all to his son in this, he said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate a feast, for this son of mine was dead. And now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. <laughs> what an amazing story of how a father reacted to his son. I want to just take you through a few key points of this, catch some of these things. You have a story of a son who's very arrogant, and I think there's a lot of pride in, in our lives sometimes and arrogance to say, we can do things the right, we know, we know how to do things on our own. We can go our way, and it's going to work out. And this is what the son did. He took off, and, and let me say, in that culture, when, when he went to his father who was still alive and said, hey, I want my inheritance, that was basically like saying, you're dead to me. I no longer want to be part of your family. And he took his inheritance. And then, and then here's the thing. He goes and he spends it all, and then this great famine hits at the same time that he's been pretty much lost his money. And so here you got the perfect storm coming in, and he's, he's starving. There's a famine. I'm guessing that there was a huge shortage of toilet paper in that time. It was probably really bad. <laughs> I don't know. People were stocking up. Uh, anyway, you get the point. That there is a, uh, here he is, and he goes, what does he do? He goes to the pigs. He's like, I'll go out and I'll feed the pigs. And, and gosh, that, the pig food actually is not that bad. <laughs> What's crazy in this story is in that culture, uh, as Jesus is telling this story, the Jews could not associate with pigs. They couldn't even raise pigs. They were actually cursed if they raised pigs. It was against the law to raise pigs, much less be with them and eat their food. So it was like the lowest of the lowest of the lowest of the low. Uh, that, which, and so here he is, he's hit rock bottom, and then he goes, now I see what's going on here. Now I see my mistake. 
So the son sees his mistake. What does he do? He goes to the father. But here's this crazy part again, is now you have, he's coming back, and it says when, when the father sees him a long way off, what does he do? He actually runs to the son. It's not the, the son running to the father. It's the father running to the son. And I think the other thing you've got to catch here is the fathers in that, in that culture, they didn't run. Uh, one, they'd have to pull up their tunics and and. And never would you show your, your legs. And so in order to run, you'd have to pull it up so you don't trip. If you show your legs, it's shameful. It's, it's, uh, it's humiliating to do that. And so a father would never run in that situation. But here you see a father running to the son. And then he throws his arm around him. And he kisses him. And he puts the robe on him and the, and the ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. And those sandals, those sandals actually represent like... The, the slaves and the servants would go barefoot, but it's the sons, it was the family that would wear the sandals. And, uh, and that, that robe is that, that place of, of honor and that ring is that place of authority in the family. And so all of a sudden he's restored just like that. It wasn't like, well, you're going to work for a while and then, then we'll get you back. And so you see, this, you see this love of a father in the midst of, of a res- an initial response of a son being so horrible. And I want to say for many of us in, in our lives, I think we have realized that we're, you know, we've been working, we've been striving, we've been searching for this amazing life, for the best life. And many of us, we've, we've listened to what the world says. Uh, believers, non-believers, whatever, uh, a lot of us have conformed to the pattern of this world. We've, we've actually, uh, we've looked at the things of the world and we've said, okay, that's what I want to go after. And so you see this, there's an, Amer- we call it the American dream. And it's that have the big house, have the car, have the, the family and the dog and the, you know, all the things that, that make us happy. Uh, you know, I think retirement's a big thing in this, especially in this country. It's like build up your 401ks, make sure you got all these, these things set. We need to have successful careers. We need to be building up our careers or maybe we're, we're building up our businesses. And, and, and it, has, it becomes an overwhelming focus with the intent of that this is what life is all about. And uh, I want to say, yet here we are in the midst of a global pandemic, a national emergency, and we are losing so much. And there is hopelessness and there is fear. Why? Because we've set our hearts and our minds on those things. We've been, we've been working towards those things, and we thinking, we're thinking, this is the way. And it just, like, just like that son who said, man, I've got everything, and I'm going to live this amazing life. He's living the extravagant life. It wasn't in the extravagance that he went, oh, gosh, I don't think this is the right life I should be living. It's actually when, when it all came down, when the perfect storm hit, when there was no more money and there was a famine and he was starving, that in that moment he goes, oh, gosh, maybe this wasn't my best choice. Maybe these things that I thought were valuable are not so valuable. You know, I, I worked for a company called Pulte and Homes, and they're not in Colorado anymore, at least to my knowledge. They weren't. We, I was with them, and we were building and doing all these amazing things, and I was working and getting all this stuff set up. I was so focused on this and building my career with them, and then all of a sudden, they shut down in Colorado. And, and I, just, I saw that, I experienced that, like it just got pulled out from under me, everything. And everything that I had been working towards and everything that I had been focusing on was gone like that. And I think we're experiencing this right now. Many of us are going, where's my 401k? 
it's gone. <laughs> Everything is literally just disappearing. And, and I think what we need to realize is where is our focus and what are we actually going after in this season and in this time? And this is the opportunity we have to actually see things because things are being shaken up. I, I was looking at sports. I mean, these are kind of the idols and the things right now that, that have been in our lives. And uh, you look at professional sports, the, the professional sports in 2019 uh, was over $73 billion of, of money was going into professional sports. Uh, you're seeing, and it was on the rise like crazy. At the same time, I was looking at the churches and the, and the tithes and the offerings going into churches, and you're seeing that over the past years just taking a dive. And so what we're seeing is this, this, sh- this shift that was happening in priorities, and we're going, man, sports is where it's at. Like, and, and church and the, the importance of, of coming together and gathering and worshiping God yeah, not so much. Like, if, if we can do that on the side, but that's not really the priority. We're going after all these other things, and we're going after, I mean, even vacations, setting up vacations, and all of this stuff has come to a screeching halt <laughs> so quickly. And, uh, and those that have not lost everything or a lot of their things, I would say there's, there's a fear right now of losing those things. And, and so regardless, it's, it's where... What is the path that we're going on? Uh, is it possible that we, like the lost son, may be trying to live out our dreams and our life the way we want? And uh, may it be possible that we actually need to turn to God's ways and turn away from our own ways in this season? And, and I pray that, that just like this, this son, this lost son, that this would be the time when we go, oh, I, I need to make that shift. Uh, I don't want to shame anyone in this time. Look, but there is a, let me just say, there is a better life than we ever dreamed of that we can actually live. But it actually is going to require many of us to make a shift in our focus and what we're putting our time into. And, and it's not that we don't have jobs and have homes and have cars and have all these things. It's when they begin to have us that it can actually take us down. Uh, I think we're getting, beginning to realize that the things that we've built our lives around are actually the things that are not so important after all. <laughs> but it's taken this. It's taken uh, a virus. It's taken a shaking of the economy. You know, in my own life, I've gone through, I would say, multiple seasons like this where I've had shakings and had to realize, like, wow. That really wasn't important, just like I was telling you about with my job. But um, I don't know if you know much about my life, but I grew up in the church. I was saved at the age of four. I was a pastor's kid, a PK, so that really messed me up. Now, you know, if you're, <laughs> for those of you PKs, you say amen. Uh, no, I, actually, I, it didn't mess me up. It was really good. It grounded me in the things of the Lord and, and established my ways. But, but I'll say that as I went off to, to college and then on to my career, it, it was kind of that, that decision or that time when before I had, I had had my grounding kind of in the things of my parents and, and their thoughts. And, and then when you're out on your own, you really have to make your own decisions. And I can tell you that I always, I've had that deep love for the Lord. But at the same time, as I went off, I realized I also had a love for my own life. I had a love for my own pursuits and my own dreams and my own pleasures that I wanted in my life. And for a number of years, I was comfortable with going to church, loving God, 
but not really fully surrendered to him, not living for him. I was pursuing money, success, and the, the things that I thought would make me happy. Uh, but I'll remember uh, there was a specific time when, when I, was, uh, I was knowingly living outside of God's plan for my life. And uh, this was a time before I met Christy where I was, I was actually engaged to a, another woman, and we were living together. And, um, and I remember my dad came to me, and I remember this vividly because it just, I saw what, this dream that he had. He had a dream, and he, and he shared it with me. And he says, this is what I saw. He said, I saw that you were actually, you were getting on this train that was about to move in the wrong direction. And, uh, and in my mind, I was like, okay, it's okay. I'm just going to get on this train. I'm just going to try it out. I know, I know it's not going in the right direction. I know it's not you, Lord. But I'm just going to get on the train and just kind of dabble in it. And I'm going to ride for a while. And, and then I'll, I'll get off. I'll, I won't stay on this train. But here's what happened in this dream is, is I get on this train. And the problem was is the, the train started to move. And it started to go faster and faster and faster. And I kept thinking, well, as soon as it slows down, I, I'm going to jump off of this train. I'm going to get off of this thing. Uh, the problem was is it never slowed down. It just kept going faster and faster and faster. And, and to the point I remember, like, I, I saw myself in the boxcar looking out, trying to jump and seeing just that ground fly under me. And I knew that if I jumped, I was dead, that there was no way off. And uh, that dream that my dad had shook me to the core. And uh, it was in that moment that I began to cry out to the Lord for help. And, uh, and, and I tell you, it's amazing it's like when you're walking towards sin, when you're walking this way, you're feeling like God is so far away. And I felt that, that shame at that point in that, that place of like, oh, God, you're so far from me. I'm, I'm on this train that's moving a million miles an hour away from you, and, and you're way back there. But what I realized is that in that moment when I turned around, just like the son who, turned, who came back, it was a long, he was a long way off. And it was the Father that ran to him. And I realized that when you're, you're either walking towards sin or you're walking away from it. And when you walk away from sin, when you turn, you actually walk into the loving arms of Jesus. You walk into the loving arms of the Father, and he's right there. And he will love you, and he will take you back. You don't have to carry that shame, but you have to turn from the sin. You have to turn from your ways. You can't stay walking this direction and say, God, come get me. The, this, the father didn't chase after the son. It was the son that returned, but then the father chased after him as he was coming. It says, draw near, when you draw near to the father, he'll draw near to you. But it takes us, we have to make that turn, and then he's right there. He's not way off in the distance. He's right there. Uh, and I, it, it changed my life in that moment of, Lord, I cried out to him, and everything began to shift. He did the miraculous. He did things that I couldn't have done on my own. And, uh, but I had to turn towards him. And I, I believe that we're in a time where, they, uh, the, where uh, the Lord is asking us to turn to him. And he is right there for us. There's two other stories in Luke 15. I'm not going to go through it, but I'll just, I just want you to see the, this one part. Um, it's the, there's a story of the lost sheep and the story of the lost coin. And again, you see the father's heart in all three of these stories. And in the, the lost sheep, there's a hundred sheep that this shepherd has, and 
one of them gets lost. And what does the shepherd do? He leaves the 99. He goes after the one sheep, and he finds them. And there's this celebration. He brings everyone around him. He's like, let's celebrate. I found the one sheep. And this is what Jesus says. He says, I tell you, in, that, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who, who do not need to repent. It, it's not that they have less value, but there is a joy that the Lord has when that one comes back, when he comes back into the fold and he says, yes, that's my lost son. And I believe that might be some of you today where you're out there, you're lost right now, and, and the, he is looking for you, he's waiting for you, and as soon as you make that turn, he's going to get you, he's going to find you, and he's going to bring you back in, and there is going to be a celebration. The same thing with that lost coin. It's about a woman with 10 lost their coins. She loses one. In my mind, I'm like, hey, you got nine, you're good. <laughs> what does she do? She scours the ground to find that one lost coin. And, the, and Jesus uses it to say this. He goes, in the same way, when she finds that coin and she celebrates, he goes, I tell you that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. He is searching for us to come back to him in this time. We have a father that loves us so much. There's a there's a devotional. I just want to read this. Um, Christy was reading this devotional to the kids the other day, and it's so powerful. It's this story of, of the man who finds the treasure in the field and sells everything he has and buys the field because of the treasure that's in the field. And, and listen to this devotional. It says, uh, Jesus said, coming home to God is as wonderful as finding that treasure. You might have to dig before you find it. You might have to look before you see it. You might even have to give up everything you have to get it. But being where God is, being in his kingdom, that's of more value than anything else in the world. It's worth everything you have, Jesus told us. Because God is the real treasure. Because God is the real treasure. He's the one we go after. And then it says this, God has a treasure too, of course, a treasure that was lost long ago. Uh, what is God's treasure, his most important thing, the thing God loves best in all the world? The treasure is you. It's his children. Why? It is why Jesus had to come into the world to find God's treasure and to pay the price to win us back. And Jesus did it, even though it cost him everything he had. Such a powerful just understanding of a father sending his son to get his treasure back. And now we can find that treasure and say, that's worth more than anything else. I'll give my life for that treasure. Because it's when we actually die to ourselves that we become alive to Christ, alive in him. Uh, let me just say, I, I believe there's two action steps that we need to take in, in connection, and you can tie it into the story with the lost son. The first is that we would admit our wrongs, that we would admit where we are wrong, that we would come to our senses in this time, that we would look at the things that, that we are uh, focused on and say, okay, 
the shaking's happening, I'm realizing that's really, that's not what I need to be going after. But then there's a second piece to that. It's not just admitting the wrongs. It's that turning that I talked about. It's the repentance. Repentance actually means to turn from your ways, to go from one direction to another direction. And so there is that repentance, and this is what you see the son do. He acknowledges that he sees it. He comes to his senses, and then he goes back to the father. And it's in that that he runs into the father's arms. I want to say, I I saw it like this. We need Jesus like we need oxygen. Jesus is like our oxygen, but there's still a part that we play. (laughs) You can have oxygen all around you, but you have to breathe. You have to walk. You have to actually walk in his ways. But if you can breathe, he will be our oxygen. And he's the one that gives us life. We can breathe all we want. And if we have no oxygen, we're dead. So we play our part as breathing, but it's actually Jesus that gives us life. He's the oxygen that we have that brings life to our bodies. And it's the two that go hand in hand. It's us saying yes to him to walk in his ways. And it's him saying, oh, you're my son. And because of Jesus, we can actually walk into being into the arms of the Father. It's only through Jesus. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's a scripture in, uh, in Romans 3, 23 and 24. Put it up on the screen. I think we have it. And uh, it says, for everyone has sinned. We need to understand that none of us can do this on our own. We can't get there. We need the oxygen. We've all, it goes on to say, we've all, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. He gives us the oxygen to breathe. Our job is to breathe him in, to say yes to him. I want you to hear this scripture in Romans 8, and I'm going to be closing up here in just a minute, but this is Romans 8, and it's 15 through 17, and this is all about the resurrection life that that we get to have. So here are these words in the message version translation. It says, this resurrection life that you received from God, it's not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. It's greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. (laughs) Hear that again. God's spirit actually touches us, touches our spirit, and confirms who we really are. We know who he is. He knows who we are. Father, children. And we know that we are going to get what's coming to us. It's an abundant or unbelievable inheritance. (laughs) It's that abundant life, but it's the unbelievable inheritance. And we go through exactly what Christ goes through. And if we go through the hard times, these are the struggles that we go through. These are the, the, the sufferings that we go through with him. It says, then we'll certainly be going through the good times with him as well. We get to go through those good times. I believe today 
is our day to return to the Lord, to live this resurrected life that we're talking about, to live the better life than we ever dreamed of. He's calling us to him, and he's going to meet us wherever we are. Our job is to say yes. Our job is to breathe, and he gives that oxygen. In 2 Corinthians 5, last scripture here, 520, it says, um, we speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be our sin offering so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And then it says this, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Don't do that. For God says at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is right now. Today is the day of salvation. And today is your day to come home to the Father. I want to say that if if you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, may this be the day that you actually acknowledge your ways and you say yes to his ways and you begin to turn from your ways. If, If you've been close to the Father and then you've kind of tried your own way and you've been going in your own way, you know, a lot of times we say, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, I, I'm a believer, I'm, I love the Lord. Let me, let me say this, that just in the same way that uh, being in a garage doesn't make you a car or going to the gym doesn't make you strong, just going to church and saying you love the Lord doesn't actually make you a follower of Jesus. You actually have to turn from your ways and you have to go his way. You have to breathe the oxygen that he has for you. So I want to invite you to say a prayer of just acknowledging uh, that we're going to turn from our ways in this time and making that decision to change direction and and as, as you turn, that you run into the arms of a loving father through Jesus Christ. And, and I want to say that this is going to be a joyous moment uh, in the heavens, and we want to celebrate with you as well. Uh, so let's do this. Let's, if that's you, uh, normally I'd say, you know, raise your hand, and, uh, and then we're going to pray. And, but you guys are in your homes. You know, and this, is, this isn't just a, an action. This is a heart step right now. That this is, it all starts in the heart. And you're going to say this prayer that doesn't make you a believer uh, it doesn't make you a follower, but it's the first step to say, God, I, I'm going to surrender it all to you. I'm going to give my life to you. I'm no longer going to go my way. It's not working out like the sun. I'm coming back to you. I want your arms around me. I want to live with you in your kingdom. And so if that's you, man, let's, let's take this chance right now to say, yes, I'm going to try a new way. I'm going to go after it. So would you bow your heads with me right now? as we pray. And just repeat this after me and let me say this from your heart. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I have been living my own way. I've actually been on that train going far from you. And I I pray right now that you would forgive me of my sins. Help me to turn from my ways 
by your grace, by your strength, by your spirit. May I turn from those things. Lord, I want to turn to you. I invite you into my heart. I invite you to be Lord over my life and Savior of my life. You're the only way. There is no other way. Lord, would you be the Lord and Savior of my life? And I thank you that you're going to make me that person that you've desired me to be. Lord, may I walk in your ways, in all of your ways. I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say that if you have said that prayer, there is something that changes on the inside of you. It says that you are made a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. You've made that shift. You're turning back towards the Lord. His arms are around you. And now stay in that place. Walk with him in these days. And and let me say, we want to walk alongside you. We don't want you to do this alone. You're never meant to do this alone. We want to disciple you. We want to encourage you. We want to strengthen you in the Lord. We want to give you a Bible if you need a Bible. I I want to ask you if you would do this. We have a website, and uh, here it is. It's up on the screen here. Uh, You can email us at family at the rock.org. Or you can call, actually, my direct line here at the office. Uh, Number's up on the screen there. And and within the next 30 minutes, we will have someone connect with you. We'll have one of our pastors contact you, either by email or by phone. We want to pray with you. We want to walk alongside you. This is our time that we become family together with Jesus as the head, as the king, and a heavenly father who loves us so much. So we love you, and we're, we're celebrating with you. We're going to close with this. We're going to do communion together. And if you've never taken communion, if this is your first time, if you've just received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what a precious time to now take communion. And, um, but here's what we're going to do. Uh, I think I forgot if I asked you guys to do this, but maybe just run into the, uh, you just need some crackers, water, whatever. It doesn't matter. The elements aren't what's important. What it is is it's the heart behind this. As we take communion, what represents the body, what represents the blood of Jesus, uh, understand that he is the bread of life. He is our life. That's that oxygen that we breathe. And then he also says, whoever drinks of me will never thirst again. There's that eternal life that we get when we drink of Jesus, when we drink of his blood, when we take of him. It says, unless you eat and you drink of, and you drink of me, uh, you have no life in me. So that is that communion that we have. We abide in him. We abide in the vine. And in that is where we have life in him. So I'm just going to do this. If you can, I know in that time, hopefully you guys have, you got your a cup and a, some bread, something, grab a Cheerios, I don't know, whatever you want. Uh, but let's do this together. I want to read from, uh, actually, I've got it here. I'm going to read it from 1 Corinthians. Uh, this is Paul who tells just of this, of this night of taking communion together with the Lord Jesus. And he says this, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. Let me just grab this right here. Got the cracker and some juice here. But on the night that uh, he was betrayed, 
Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, he takes the cup of of wine after supper and, and says this, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. And every time you eat the bread, and every time you drink of this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So let's do this in your homes as families right now. Just take that. We're going to take the elements, take the communion. Just pray together. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity we have right now just to to take what represents your body and your blood. That, Lord, that this is that oxygen that we have, that we cannot live without you. So we thank you for the bread of life. We thank you for this cup that when we drink of this, that we will thirst no more. You satisfy all our needs. You, you satisfy our thirst. And it's by your blood, the most powerful thing on earth, that washes us clean of all sins. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take what represents the body and the blood together. We're just going to close with a song here. Amazing Grace. I just want you to sing this song and listen to the words as you sing this song. Hear these words. Sing these words. Let's sing it together. And amazing grace How sweet The sound That saves But now 
bless you all. Thank you for being with us. Just big hugs. We love you. I want to close with this. Romans 15, I'm just going to pray hope over us right now. It says, may the God of hope, may this God of hope, our God, may he fill you with all joy and with peace as you trust in him, as you walk in his ways, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. I love you. Go with him. In Jesus' name, let's celebrate his resurrection. Amen.